0: Right, folks, before we get going, let you know this podcast brought to you by our friends once again at Scratch Labs. ScratchLabs.com. That's S-K-R-A-T-C-H. If you have not tried any of the new products they've got out, they keep it coming, you guys. New Sour Cherry Chews with 50 milligrams of caffeine from green tea in those bad boys. Just got them, and I can't wait to try them myself. I'll let you know how they go. Also, their super, Super Fuel Drink Mix. For those of you who like me, I can't really eat enough calories on some of those long rides. And so this I, I like to add it in into my bottles. And this is a four hundred calories per serving. That's per bottle you could go up to that high. Now you can reduce that and do a little bit lower. Like for example, I did a ride last weekend, eighty miles. I took two bottles with two hundred calories each and it and I didn't eat anything. On the 80 miles i drank four bottles but um you know four bottles with two of those with the fuel in and two of them just plain water and i got through just fine so check out all the stuff scratch has on board including the recipes if you haven't tried the belgian waffle you're missing out also brought to you by our friends at gooder gooder.com all kinds of fun stuff coming out through gooder if you missed the most recent release of these new aviator style shades they've got i ordered a pair i can't wait for them to get here they also have new stuff that's going to be coming out throughout the summer including their sorcery spectacles with fun names like glinda's resting witch face and merlin's squirrel fetish just to give you some names uh 25 to 35 bucks maximum for these shades Polarized, non slip, lightweight, good quality stuff. So be sure to check out gooder.com. Without further ado, hey, we're recording. Let's do a podcast. always tell when there's no rambling of random voices at the beginning of the show oh it must be one of those episodes actually intelligent conversation up ahead right welcome to another episode of the pack filler podcast i'm pat bulger all by my lonesome socially distancing by choice in the studios here in uh, sunny Spokane, Washington. Actually, I think it's going to rain a little bit today, but I'm going to still find a way to get out because it's going to be in the 70s, get out and ride my bike and try to reach all those horrific fitness goals that have been set. We'll have to see if I can pull it off. Woke up this morning. I don't want to start this on this type of a note, but woke up this morning to another race being canceled in my local scene. This time it was a three-stage stage race scheduled for the end of August and it included our Masters uh, State Road and Crit Championships. The River City Cycling Classic is not going to happen for 2020, which really, really kind of, you know, I don't know if it's a gut punch. I think a lot of us know some of these events are reaching their demise due to our uh, COVID pandemic and things like that. And Hopefully, uh, we're going to see some events make it through. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, when we get to the, the host of, I mean, the guest of today's show, you're going to understand my entire thing like that. Um, depressing as it may be, I, I guess these are things and steps we need to all take to try and stay safe and hopefully get to the point where we can have events without even having to worry about cancelizations happening in the future. My question for you. Even though you can't shout it to me right now, you know, because you'd probably look a little strange if you were, you know, wearing headphones and just screaming out loud to a random voice in your head. How are you competing? Do you need to compete? I, cycling is is such a competitive sport, and I know that even those of us who say we don't need to race. Um, still go out with your pals and and are competitive or you're racing against yourself or you're challenging yourself trying to get up that climb a little bit faster trying to go a little bit longer distance all these goals we set for ourselves so we are competitive in nature and i know that's a generic statement but i'm sticking with it how do you keep that going during all this Uh, do you need it Um, is it something that that thrive that you thrive upon in order to keep going um, I set these really silly goals for myself constantly throughout the year. For example, the one I've challenged myself to do about losing the, those extra pounds that I needed to get rid of, um, that's something that gets me out of bed every day. That gets me something that gets me on my bike every day and, and keeps me going. Yes, I love the sport, but how do you do it? How do you stay competitive? That's a genuine question that I'm asking for you out there. Um, and, and if you can respond to some of us, to some of these in social media, I'd love to hear just because I'm kicking around some ideas of things that might be able to help us all stay motivated and get out on our bikes. Um, you got to find something to train for, don't you? I mean, you look to the likes of guys like Lachlan Morton, who's, who are doing these incredible feats, Everesting, uh, right in the Pelle trail in a record amount of time. Um, that's a competitive dude who needs to get out and do these types of things and he's doing it whether or not there are fans, um, on the side of the road or not. Um, I don't know if I'll do anything as insane as an Everest challenge or anything like that, but I'd love an, an idea of what you guys are planning for and what you're training for. And don't tell me a, a, a necessarily a scheduled race because yeah, some of those are up in the air and some of them even more might be up in the air, but, um, how do you, how do you stay going? Um, my other question is about training, about riding buddies. I think I posted something to our Facebook page the other day asking about group rides. I know that group rides are a big no-no. I was out this last weekend with just Paul and myself. Actually, we start, CP started with us, but he turned early because he had to get back and do honeydew stuff. There were three of us. Um, I've never ridden a group more than four, I don't think, um, since this entire COVID thing has happened. While on my ride, I saw two groups of at least a dozen or more, and um, I, it's, it's, it's easy to be judgmental. I know we're all in different phases of, of reopening or going back the opposite direction. What, what is your theory on, on group rides? How many, how many is too many? Here in Spokane, we have an annual tradition for the 4th of July weekend. I talk constantly about Mount Spokane, this HC climb that we have going up to our ski resort here nearby. It's not really a resort. It's more of a ski area. <laughs> Call it a resort would be vast overstatement. But it's a brutal climb. And every 4th of July, a large group meets at a high school just beyond the, the, the base of the mountain and gathers and goes absolutely insane to the top of the mountain and that's their ritual and from what i understand there's still a plan for it to happen um i'm seriously reconsidering my mentioning of of going to it i thought i said i was going to go to it but now i'm heavily reconsidering it out of paranoia out of just being careful out of trying to follow the the rules written or unwritten I want this to all go away, and um, I don't know. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this stuff, so I know i'm I'm, I'm just talking to this to space, but if you get a chance, let me know and, and tell me what you think of these concepts and what we're going. So there's that. Got that off my chest. Speaking of races, speaking of races on the calendar, speaking of big races on the calendar, the Colorado Classic. In case you didn't know, if you were living in a cave, well, some of you might be living in a cave and self-quarantined. Uh, last year, the Colorado Classic decided to revamp everything and go for a women's-only uh, event to incredible success, in my personal opinion. They, um, I, in my personal opinion, they changed the, the style and the feel and the nature and the air of, of cycling and women's cycling. In this country, and I also think uh, worldwide, and they're on to an incredibly creative way uh, to to get bike races out to people. Last year, if you didn't follow along, you were able to use any computer and internet connection. You were able to watch the race every day, all the way through. No, no subscription, none of that crap, and it was it was a really really cool thing. And so this year, obviously, they were going to build upon that. The plan is to build upon that, and they have a whole lot of creative ideas, and then all of a sudden COVID hits, and they had to get incredibly creative again. So today's guest is Lucy Diaz, the woman at the helm of the Colorado Classic, with an incredibly creative group. Uh, They've been rethinking the entire way of how to put together a world-class bike race. And her optimism, her perspective, and her and her group's creativity – is something that I think we could all maybe step back and and listen to and maybe get some motivation on how bike racing is going to make it over these next few years and for, you know as as the future unfolds. So there, without further ado, Lucy Diaz on the pack filler. Today's guest is the CEO of RPM Events Group LLC. That was a lot of letters in a row and I had to figure it out how to get it correct. The group responsible for the (laughs) incredibly successful revamp of the Colorado Classic, America's premier all-women's professional and uh, road cycling race. Let's welcome to the show Lucy Diaz. Welcome back to the show, Lucy. How are you?
1: I'm great, thanks for having me back.
0: Hey, yeah, absolutely. First off, um, it has been a while since we last spoke. It was right It was just, I think a little over a year ago, right before um, last year's event went off, which, uh, right. in my opinion, was a gigantic breakthrough for uh, women's cycling and the sport in general in many ways. So congratulations on all of that.
1: Thank you, Thank you for saying that. We were uh, very pleased with how last year turned out.
0: Well, I you know, many plan for success. But was it um, always assumed that uh, everything, the event would have gone so well, especially in terms of popularity and how it was received?
1: Um, you know, I've worked events my entire career, and you can have the best life plan, and then um, you can go completely sideways, as perhaps we're dealing with right now. But, um, yeah. you know, speaking to last year, um, you know, it was one of those – It was one of those situations where we walked into the event or kind of rolled into event week, so to speak, um, saying, "Okay, we've we've put all of the pieces in place. You know, it's like we've planned for the party. Now let's just hope that people show up and and that we can execute. And and ultimately for us, the the key was execution. And we talked a lot. And, you know, even after the event, there was a lot of, you know, people that came out that were both riders and people within the industry that said, wow. Um, you guys actually delivered on the promises that you um, you said that you were going to do. It, and ultimately that's, that was for us, that was what success looks like was just executing on a plan and uh, doing that. You never flawlessly execute an event. There's always things out of your control that you can't, um, you know, you, you can't uh, guarantee, but you know, the key area and our key focus from last year was just, you know, putting on an event that basically did right by the riders. And, you know, we wanted to treat the women and the Peloton, uh, you know, on in the women's side of the sport, you know, a certain way. And that for, you know, if nothing else, that's what we delivered on. And we've got a great technical partner from a safety and from a, competition perspective with medalist sports and you know they deliver and they they always deliver on on their their side of things as it relates to you know good courses safe courses making sure that you know that it's not obvious you know I, I want to say obviously that 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 we take that for granted but um you definitely could never take that for granted um but you know just really putting the pieces together and being able to you know, produce an event and have a product that we were really very proud of at the end of
0: the race. And and this is all, I'm just kind of setting this whole thing up. This is all pre-COVID, of course. Um, Absolutely. (laughs) It led to much bigger sponsors as well as changes in the event. So what were, let's say this is, you know, January, February, and everything seems like it's a completely open horizon. What were some of the things you guys were planning on incorporating or improving or change within the event itself?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the best way to, to kind of demonstrate what, what our plans were for 2020 was just, um, you know, to continue down the path. So there weren't yeah. any huge, you know, broad strokes of changes, I would say. It was just really an amplification of all of the things that we had done well. Um, and I would say the, the key to that, uh, or one of the largest things to that was, well, A, we were sitting in a better position with timing and we had a lot of the details ironed out earlier this year. And it gave us a longer runway for, um, you know, promotion and for really amplification of the, um, you know, highlighting the athletes leading into the race. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, you know, our our TV coverage and, and our, our live stream broadcast of the event. That was something that we wanted to continue to evolve and, and to develop and As we sit here today, we were uh, maybe forced, uh, a hand was forced at that, but, uh, you know, that was always our intent and our plan to continue with, you know, the start to finish coverage of the event and really utilize that as a key platform for, um, you know, promotion and exposure for the race itself and for the athletes within the race. So um, we were charging down that path and, of course, you know, working with our host communities and really creating this, these great, Um, you know, festivals and expos and, and experiences, you know, within, um, you know, over that weekend or, 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 sort of tangential to the event itself. Um, So those were, those were some things we were looking at, but again, I think it was really, you know, having, having the details and the plans in place earlier, and then working with the teams to really amplify, um, you know, the promotion and the marketing that we did around uh, the race itself, but also the athletes that were, um, you know, that were going to be coming out to participate because, because quite honestly, that's part of, you know, our, our foundational, one of our foundational pillars is, um, you know, to be able to utilize our event as a platform for promotion and exposure for the athletes. Yeah. And, uh, unfortunately <laughs> I know we'll, we'll uh, pivot into 2020 <laughs> and the reality of what's happening, but, um. Unfortunately, we had to modify that a bit, but yeah. we're still, you know, we still feel strongly about the plan that we have in place for 2020.
0: Well, I'm, I, I do want to just kind of like I'm saying, we're doing a little recap here, and that that method <laughs> of providing the the race coverage um, in such a unique way, which is something that I can't believe has taken so long for some people to kind of realize to be able to get that event out to out to the, us, the viewers, and things like that. And it was such a great way to participate and be involved in that race, even if we couldn't see it. You know, it was immediate. we were It was interactive, that right. kind of an element. And God, it was just great. So COVID-19 strikes. You know, I wish I had a dramatic yeah. background noise. Uh, thousands of events across the country and globe are canceled, some perhaps unable to return. So tell me what the mood was like in the office in regards to the continuation of the Colorado Classic.
1: Sure. Well, we weren't in the office, as you know, (laughs) we were at our, our, you know, at all of our respective home offices. Yeah. um, Really since, I mean, I think for us, it was this uh, sort of surreal moment because we had, again, as I mentioned, we were ahead of uh, years past in planning and we felt really good as we were sitting at the beginning of March and we were at the state capitol here in the beginning of kind of that first week full first full week of march and um announcing the host cities and the partners that we were yeah. going to be having uh for the 2020 event and the governor was there and we had the tourism office and we had some athletes that had participated and you know it was a was a great kickoff and then we were going on a you know sort of a media tour uh in the different markets and we headed out to snowmass that afternoon and we were going to avon and then we were going to be back <laughs> in boulder and denver at the end of the week and um that was right as uh covid was hitting so it's kind of around that that march 8th 9th 10th date yeah and um it, it was kind of like a, a at first you were you didn't really understand the severity of it nobody understood of course and none of us did understood the sort of what the next three months would look like for um for for planning and for event planning so we took it day by day and, and i will tell you that everybody well i'll speak for myself <laughs> maybe not everyone <laughs> you know just trying to be positive every day yeah when trying to look at it and not say oh another event is canceled what does that mean for us or you know, this is these the the UCI has suspended racing. What does that mean for us? We were sitting actually in a timeline that we felt pretty good about because we're our events at the end of August, and we're sitting at the beginning of March when we're having these considerations. Um, I will tell you, when the Olympics were canceled or postponed, rather, yeah. that was a, a, a sort of a retrospective moment for myself, and I thought, wow, this this means that we might actually have to. Consider canceling our event um, or postponing our event. So that was probably the one that hit me the hardest. Um, and then we we dug into it, and that was I think probably the first time where we started running financial models and looking at dates and, and exploring what it what it would look like to you know push this event back a month or two or push this event into 2021. Um, and it just it none of it penciled out. And really for us the best solution was to follow the path that we had set up from the onset and and to drive toward the end end of august date and as you would imagine you know coordinating essentially it's a it's a race in in each in four different markets four consecutive days so everyone it's kind of funny because everyone's like what do you do for a living and i tell them and they say (laughs) oh is that all you do and i was like well (laughs) yeah it is one event but There are a lot of details that (laughs) go into it and it's not just a, you know, a part-time kind of four month gig. Oh, grasshopper. You have no idea. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, I think all event producers can appreciate that. uh, You know, that question and then the response that follows from it. But, It was, you know, I would say that the team, we are such a small group here, and the way that we're organized is really, you know, I'm the only full time employee that works on the event, uh, you know, kind of 365, 24 7. Um, We work with contractors, and we have a support team that works on the TV side, and I I spoke about medalists on the technical side, and, you know, a a gal who does our marketing and sponsor activation. So it's we're we're actually set up well if if you could be for um, you know a, a COVID scenario. Yeah. Um, just we don't carry a lot of overhead, I mean, not dissimilar to many of the event uh, companies. But um, you know we're we're very nimble, so we're able to to move and to make decisions and to evolve pretty quickly. We don't have a large level of uh, you know approvals and. You know nods and and all of that that need to happen. So so we can we, we can act quickly and I think that really works in our favor to be able to understand the situation that's happening in front of us that's unfolding in front of us and then react to it and respond to it and um, that I think is really what has helped us uh, you know keep moving forward and staying positive over the last three months and we've all worked at you know, in our respective homes, I've been back in the office and a, a few of us have been back in the office sort of on, on, uh, you know, off shifts here yeah. over the last, um, you know, a couple of weeks to a month, once it's been safe to come back out, uh, into the workplace within Colorado and, you know, add in there that I have two little kids. So, uh, <laughs> the distance learning and all of the, the fun that comes with that, that's been, um, you know, it's definitely been trying, but we yeah. we've made through it and made the most of it and stayed really positive through it so you know as we sit here today we are you know we're still working under the um, uh, you know plan <clears throat> excuse me that our event will happen at the end of August yeah. and there's a lot of work that needs to happen between now and then, and these next two weeks are really pivotal pivotal in um, you know working with our local we uh, you know with the local communities, the local health departments, and, and ultimately the state, um, you know, the governor's office and the state health departments to get the appropriate approvals that we need. Um, we have, uh, you know, are on daily phone calls in in putting together plans and mitigation plans and medical plans, and you know, have have strung together a fantastic group of stakeholders um, and partners that we've vetted our plans through and uh you know really the the approach that we've taken through all of this is is one of leadership and no one's going to come to us and say you know especially from the you know the state organizations or even the county um you know i I would say that they all love our event but uh putting together a professional bike race is probably not the highest on their list with everything else that's (laughs) going on uh as it relates to the you know the global pandemic that we're amidst right now um but you know working with the key stakeholders and saying this is our plan and these are our thoughts and this is what we think is appropriate and you know who can we talk to to vet this plan through and and really coming with solutions and not questions and that's been something that is that has been key and and really something that we've tried to and I really held held true to through all of this is that understand the situation digest the information that's coming out from the different parties you know particular to COVID and you know you can you can drive yourself uh, nutty and we've got a great team and we have some you know an individual internally who he takes all of the information and and he helps distill it down to how it applies to our event and what we need to make note of and you know the end of all of that will be and we're really close to having this to be public facing or you know, to the appropriate parties, but, you know, is to have a, you know, basically a COVID mitigation um, Bible. That's not the right word, but (laughs) it's, you know, just a a document that that has looked at the event from all angles, um, you know, from interfacing with the athletes, interfacing with staff, um, to how the vendors are coming on site to set up fencing, to, you know, how we're managing post-race award ceremonies, all of that you know, the, the points where you probably wouldn't have thought of, yeah. you know, we've tried to think through all of that and, and really understand, um, you know, how we move forward and, you know, in broad strokes, how we're moving forward is a, a made for TV model. So yeah, we will not have an opportunity for fan engagement on site and it's unfortunate, but it's necessary. Um, and it's, it's necessary for, you know, for us to get approvals, but it's also necessary for the athletes and, and for us to be able to, to say to them, and you know, this is their job, right? They, they're, if they do have a, uh, you know, and I, I was talking to some, some athletes earlier, even earlier today, and it's like, you know, your, if your job is to race and you are exposed, uh, to, you know, potentially to COVID or a situation where you could be infected by it, you know, that stops your season yeah that affects your team that affects your team's livelihood. So that, you know, that's something that we think about is how can we, you know, what can we control to be able to, um, you know, you can never ensure safety or, you know, health, but, you know, what can we control to, to put the best foot forward? So these athletes do feel comfortable to participate um, and, you know, feel confident that we've done everything that we can do to ensure that they're not exposed to unnecessary risks.
0: So you you mentioned the made for TV uh, format of it. Um, mm-hmm. it, yeah. I I can only imagine the size of that Bible slash document you you mentioned. But <laughs> so uh, that is obviously one of the big alterations and changes to the event. What what other types of you know? I guess the 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 big things, the big changes that had to happen that you guys cr- came up with and have begun to implement To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare dot com slash weight loss.
1: Yeah, I mean the the first step, and and you got it right there is, is the made for TV. So yeah. with that, that was the the first decision that we made. So that eliminates all ancillary events. That eliminates all fan engagement, and it really distills the <clears throat> excuse me the event down to. A secure area around the start finish line, and then team parking. Yeah. So that's that's what the event will be. We will have an on site, as we're calling it, studio that we will um, uh, capture and live stream and broadcast and allow for engagement around you know post race press conferences, award ceremonies. But again, that will be a very controlled area that will not be open to the public. Yeah. So essentially, you take all the for lack of a better term, fanfare away from the event. And quite honestly, that's the, that's what we've been working on. And and we had great, you know, uh, we had great momentum from last year in creating is, you know, this excitement around the start finish line and, and calling the community to come out and to support and calling our partners and their employees out to support and create opportunities for them to engage, you know, with the riders, with the event and really utilize the event as a, um, whether it's a team building activity or it's an employee rewards um, you know, it's really shifting that whole mindset of, you know, partnerships and, and community engagement to, you know, you, you shut that down. Now, how do you recreate that? Yeah. Um, because we still want our partners to feel good about this, um, you know, this engagement and this sponsorship that they have around the event. So how do you recreate that, whether it's virtually or, you know, in a socially distanced manner. It it really it it has caused us to think about and you know, we've talked about and something we've used internally as a vernacular of recreating the sport and recreating how we sell sponsorships and how we bring partnerships into the event. And COVID has forced us to do that. Um so it's not just, up, oh, throw your logo on it, it feels good. So that really comes in a couple different forms, of course, <clears throat> excuse me, the race broadcast itself. Yeah. And, you know, how do we, last year we were able, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, um, you know, we were able to capture the race in a cost effective manner from start to finish using a bonded cellular technology. So that took, you know, uh, was a, maybe it was a $3.50 cost per impression down to, you know, an 85 cent cost per impression. So uh, as no, no uh, hidden secret in bike racing is, is the, trying to drive a sustainable model is on the top of everyone's list as as event promoters, particularly in pro cycling. Um, you know, we don't monetize our spectators. There's no uh, gate fee. So the revenue that we do receive is from partnerships and from state support and all of that. So how do we, then drive eyeballs and how do we deliver impressions for our partners? And to be able to do that in a cost-effective manner, um, we were able to last year do that through the bonded cellular and through a distribution um, strategy that was maybe a little opposite in what you're used to seeing in TV. It was inclusive versus exclusive. Yeah. And we weren't saying we're going to work with one output and, and one provider and one distribution point. Um, we are going to charge them for right fee to do that. We actually kind of flipped it on his head and said, we want this content to get out as far and wide as possible. And if there are fan enthusiasts or, or cycling enthusiasts that want to get it through a, you know, a, a <clears throat> maybe an ambassador's uh, blog, you know, we want to make a product and make this product accessible to them. So we had 30 different distribution partners last yeah. year, and that's everyone from you know, our 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 partners of the event are obviously our own platforms to Avello News or a Global Cycling Network. Um, you know, the the state's tourism office took it, um, took the feed and pushed it out through their channels and their social channels. So, um, you know, we were able to to have thirty partners last year that pushed it out. So, you know, our vision for this year is to continue to grow that distribution network. And you know, we are actually what's working in us our, in our favor is that there hasn't been a lot of live sports and the engagement and the live sports that have started to come back a la golf. um, (laughs) Maybe people deem that as not an exciting sport to watch, but their ratings are through the roof, you know, on a Thursday because there is such a demand for sport on television or even, you know, through live streaming online. So, you know, we are, um, you know, and we we are still working to develop it and I don't have a, a final number yet on what that looks like, but really looking to continue to, Expand our distribution platform for the race itself, and then within the race, you know, how do we create unique um, engagement for the fans? So if they're not on the side of the road, you know, what can we do to get them, make them feel that they're a part of the race? So last year we did, we had a preem's program. So essentially, one lap of each of the circuits for each day was designated as the sprint lap or the preem lap, and we were able to crowdsource. Funds during a, a kind of a, just an hour kind of, time frame yeah. around that. I think you maybe were um, had seen that. You know, we're able to crowdsource funds that we then distributed to the the, the winner of the, the the rider that that um, crossed that sprint line first. Half <laughs> of it went to the rider, half of it went to a local organization within the community that that, that they were racing. So it was a really cool way to get the fans engaged. Um, you know, it was a text to donate online or uh, I mean, really there wasn't an, or it wasn't a hat that was passed around. That was, that was the distribution, or that was the way that we were able to, um, you know, receive those donations. So working on that also working on, you know, utilizing the, the commentators to draw the audience in, you know, other ways to, whether it's trivia or, you know, it's more of the, the donation, um, for the cause and to the riders, uh, ways to do that. One thing that the team is actually working on, which is kind of fun is, how do we pipe in like a virtual cowbell, um, you know, into that? So as we all know, a sort of iconic within the sport of cycling is to hear that cowboy, cowbell, you know, how do we do things like that? So it is, uh, again, by virtue of the situation, we've had to uh, continue to innovate and to to create new uh <clears throat> sort of streams of, of entertainment and engagement within that uh, that live broadcast there.
0: And this is all so new. Um, and we, so logistically setting it up, I can only imagine the amount of, of input you guys have to be receiving. And it can't just obviously all come from one magical source. And there's not some person sitting back going, you know, we should – pipe in a cowbell or something like that, and all of a sudden these, you know, these <laughs> magical ideas. So um, I'm just thinking in myself, I mean, I can't even set up a, a three-camera stream here in the studio with fixed internet. I can't imagine logistically being able to set up all the things you guys must have to do and, and, and the amount of, of personnel needed to be able to come up with these ideas and implement them.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's definitely not, a, as I mentioned, even though I might be the only full-time person, we've got a huge uh, network of uh, contractors and people that are focused on this. Um, you know, the, just the TV side alone, we work with Citizen Pictures. They're our production partner. And you could only imagine the uh, sitting on the calls with all the different uh, people who have a hand in making that production happen from the hardware to the software to, you know, in order to work with the bonded cellular, you you need cell service to the yeah. entire race. And that's a whole nother conundrum, we'll put it oh, on man. its own. And just the the ways and or you know, in order to do that is it is a finely tuned and finely oiled machine. Um, the group that comes together to do that. They're the best in the business. And it's, you know, everyone is pitching in. I mean, and that's what's so I mean, in every area of the event, I mean, that's what's really blown us away is that when we first went to our partners and said, hey, this is what we're doing. We're no longer going to have an expo. I know this was a big part of your partnership um, deliverables, but we're going to do X, Y and Z. And we're going to this is going to be made for TV and we're going to come back to you with ways in which we can elevate your brand. But it won't be what we agreed to in our contract. And the partner's said let's do this like we'll figure out a way to make this work and you know then you have that whole you know talk about the tv piece and and the live streaming piece you have a group of 20 people that are trying to figure out how to do this and everyone is coming with creative um, solutions to any problems that arise and it's just it's such a you know it, it really exudes cycling and the passion for everybody that's involved in it no one's doing this for a big payday Um, everybody's doing this because they want to see this succeed. And that's, what's really cool to be a part of uh, that. Again, it's not, I'm doing this because I get my big paycheck to come in here and and, um, you know, whatever it is, fill in the blank. Um, It's saying, okay, how do we make this work and how do we make this work for the riders? How do we make this work for the sport? You know, ultimately, how do we make this work so we can have something that celebrates cycling, that celebrates women within cycling um that celebrates Colorado here at the end of august
0: how's how about the course changes? you mentioned some of the start villages being you know maybe not necessarily well maybe even moved um to to more secure mm-hmm. locations and things like that where it's not going to draw such a large crowd so course changes and any other um actual physical alterations that had to be made
1: yeah that's a great question um there's still some some, uh, I would say, minutia happening there for some of the for some of the stages. But I, I what I will say is that the the biggest example or the, the most straightforward example of um, how the courses have been impacted by COVID would be our final stage. So typically, yeah. and for all four years, the event has finished in Denver. Um, and there's been a circuit that we've used throughout the really the downtown area and the, the city center. We were planning on doing that again this year. But we actually have moved that stage out to Red Rocks. So equally as iconic, yeah. very different in the topography in the background, but it, but thinking about running a race and it was a, a seven mile loop through downtown, starting and finishing in Civic Center Park, which is right at the foot of the Capitol, um, you know that from I think uh, definitely from our perspective, but from all of our partners at the you know the, the public works and the police and all of that, Um, It's just trying to not uh, tap into a heavy load of resources. You know, that's something we've been looking at. Absolutely. Um, Again, there are so many things that are going on and all of the from the special events office to, you know, DPD and all of the different city services here in, in Denver, particularly you know, they, they've, everybody's been dealing with a lot, right, yeah. throughout COVID and for the last four months and, and trying to, you know, pitch in and help out everywhere. So for us, we really wanted to look at how do we uh, decrease the amount of resources that we need uh, and the support that we need from, um, you know, the different entities and moving to Red Rocks really helps that for, for that stage specifically. It's an area that you can secure. There's four entrances. Um, you're not having to close down uh, you know, city streets and main roads and all of that. So really trying to have a more controlled situation um for the race. And at the end of the day, it's gonna create a heck of a course. I'll tell you that, for the final stage. It's not just a parade through Denver. Um, you know, we it was pretty flat last year. Uh Going uh, on that, that final stage, it'll be anything but flat. I'll say um, this year as we finish off at stage four. So really thinking about uh, you know thinking about the courses obviously from a competition perspective, but also from a resource perspective and a safety and security um, point of view. So it is again, uh, COVID has encouraged us to um, kind of pushed us to think about things a little bit differently. And and at the end of the day, I do think that the what we end up seeing from a competition perspective is, is going to be fantastic.
0: So <clears throat> building on, on top of that, um, how have been, you, you mentioned some of the your you know, your partners and, and, and some of the sponsors involved and, and they seem to be fairly okay, let's do it. Um, how, how has the majority of the response been to this new plan and altering things in terms of sponsors, in terms of the communities involved, and especially in terms of the teams and the riders who plan on attending?
1: Yeah. I mean, again, it's been really positive. And I think that because we are one of the few um, that are able to move forward again, as we sit here today yeah. um, with it, it, it's been really encouraging and really positive. And I know that the teams are chomping at the bit to, to get back uh, into racing and are really excited about having this on the calendar to look forward to um, the sponsors likewise. And, and uh, again, it's, it's a, uh, Sort of a tale of, of perseverance and and uh, creativity that has has continued to keep those conversations positive and to keep our partners excited about um, the event coming and, and looking at looking at ways in which they can engage that perhaps were different from last year or from what they had ori- originally set out to. Um, host communities so the the local markets that we'll be uh participating in same thing it's 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 a very close conversation and uh discussion on how we do this this isn't us saying we're going to do it this way it's very much a collective conversation so they own it just as much as we do um and the ultimate success and safety of it uh so it's 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 been a a very collaborative effort but uh, by and large, it's been really positive. And I think that Colorado is such a great place, obviously, to live, but also, you know, from the event perspective and from the community perspective, people have been responsible and, and uh, you know, have been respectful of, you know, the local rules and mandates, whether it's facial coverings or it's stay-at-home, um, which has put us in, in, a, in a positive position to be able to do this. Unfortunately, as we look across the country, not all states are... Um, moving in the right direction here with yeah. the covid outbreaks and such but um you know it it really is something that i feel like you know if our event is able to happen at the end of august it will be this you know celebration that transcends cycling it'll be this sense of normalcy and this a, a little bit of a, a as we we definitely see it here as a you know a glimmer of hope and, and and really something to look forward to so um that that's really what everybody is you know all of the stakeholders that we're working with it is positive it is i mean it's realistic obviously we're very realistic that if we see a huge spike we might have to to shut down a week before the race like we get that that's a not a great scenario um (laughs) but it is we understand that that is a reality of that situation which we're in right now but um doing everything that we can collectively and safely to be able to push this forward I. think
0: God I I don't first of all I I applaud you if you're sleeping because I wouldn't be able to handle <laughs> this this constant waking up going oh I still I'm not gonna know and are there from the people you've been speaking with involved with receiving the go ahead or that last minute stop or even saying beforehand what are the specific uh phase levels um you know facial coverings things like that that you're being told that have to be implemented or what what kind of goals have to be reached in order for you to get the Go ahead on day one?
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's a great question. And the answer actually changes by day. My bad. Um, so, just like we, there's not a, a roadmap for reopening. Um, there are guidelines, but they're all dependent upon the health data that's coming in. So, um, for us, we if we're able to, you know, if we're in a situation in the counties that we're operating in, are in a situation where you can have um, gatherings or events with 250 people in the same place at the same time, that, that ticks the big box for us. And that, because that's, we have about a hundred athletes that participate within the 16 teams that are there, their entourages, and then our on-site staff, that really hits us in and around that 250 marks. So that's what we're driving towards, um, you know, facial coverings, and uh distancing and all of that those are things that were again vary by county um boulder county is different than than denver county for example even if you go on a hike today um so it's we again go citing back to the non-sleeping part um (laughs) (laughs) there we don't know i mean we don't know and we won't know until august 27th what the the and hopefully it's before that but what the current mandates are so trying to prepare for the worst but hope for the best um as it relates to kind of the severity or the i don't know strictness isn't a word but you you know (laughs) what the what the specific protocols are during that time frame um so it's it's a it's a fluid scale or i would say it's a it's it's sort of a you know it's, it's ever changing but We're really just trying to mitigate as much as we can and to plan for what we know today and then what we hope will happen, um, you know, 60 days from now.
0: How many times have uh, you and your, you know, immediate crew ever just thought of saying, that's it, screw it, it's not going to happen, I quit or anything like that? Have there been those moments? And if so, how often?
1: If they have, we've never said them out loud. Wow. (laughs) Um, And I think that is again is a testament to the situation that we're in. Um, But we nobody wants to give up. Nobody does, and that's that's really in. And you you can liken it to when we changed the model of the event from 2018 to 2019 should go all women. And people were like, what are you doing? You're crazy. No one cares about women cycling. How can you, how can you take this event away from the men? Um, the writers weren't saying it, of course, it was just the, 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 the critics, if you will. Yeah. Um, but thick skin comes is, is definitely a job requirement here. Um, well for any events really, but it's for us, it's been, um, We've never we've never sat around and commiserated or doomed and gloomed, um, and it's just been it's always been looking ahead and trying to figure out. And everyone helps. We all. Some sometimes I'll have a bad day, and someone will say to me, this, that, or the other thing. You know, you have a, a tough call where it's saying, I don't know that if we're going to be able to make it happen. You know, with one of our local, um, you know, organizing committees. And you know somebody will will pick it up and say no no we got this don't think there don't go there wow. keep keep positive so it's been um it's been a ginormous that's another made up word um <laughs> team effort here but it, it's a great you know we have a great team and and I think because again we're not doing this for ourselves we're doing it for the riders and you know I've said this a lot whether it's talking about you know, delivering on promises and seamless operations. But the sense of responsibility that we have to the athlete is huge. And it's it's something that really has kept us going. And we're not quitting because we want them to stay. We want the athletes to stay training. We want them to stay hopeful. We want them to keep going. So, you know, we're a part of that. And whether we've said that to them directly or not, um, our actions have definitely uh, shown that. So that, that's really, you know, from, from the way that I see it and that how the team comes together, that's what we're all working so hard for.
0: Is there a time you really hope to receive final word or is it going to be <laughs> wait until that last moment, the morning sun comes up on the morning of the 27th and you that's hopefully you turn on the lights and go?
1: Um, we are, I would say the next, Two weeks are really pivotal for us um, in having the go/no go. No go. Um, we are, as we sit here today, we are go. Um, okay. But if things start to deteriorate, and and you know, unfortunately, when you look at what's happening in Florida and and the rates, and I saw something about Utah today. You know, we're they're seeing record highs and some you know COVID outbreaks in some part of the country, and that makes me a little nervous. Um, because we were, you know, as of last week, Colorado specifically was, you know, we were holding steady and our, and our numbers were going down. So, um, we have to just being financially responsible. Um, we're, we're in the zone where we start signing contracts and we start bringing vendors on and we start really ramping people up for the event and getting our, our staffing going and our volunteer program and all of that. So we have to, um, you know, make decisions here and, uh, you know, providing, and, and again, it's daily conversations with the different groups and health departments and, um, you know, having our plan, our plan tightly pulled together to be able to communicate what what, what we will, what we are doing and what we will plan to do. Um, so, uh, you know, the next few weeks will be pivotal. And then as, you know, we again, continue to move forward, if we're a week out and we shut down, that's not that wasn't our decision, right? We had to do that forced on somebody else's decision, um, and and really for the health and safety of everyone within the state. Um, so, you know, take a deep breath, Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's it's uh, there's no. It's funny because everyone's like, "What's the go no go date?" Yeah. And I was like, I wish it were that black and white, you know. And if we made the decision yesterday, well. Who knows what is coming out from the governor's office two days from now? So it's really it's working with the partners and understanding as much as they know or as much as they're comfortable in sharing and, um, you know, putting out there as to, you know, what what the next 30 days will look like, let alone what the next 60 days will look like. So, you know, it's it's lack of sleep, Um, (laughs) a lot of uh, worrying, but we'll get there. We'll get there.
0: Oh, my God. Um, So for those of us sitting in our homes, staring at computer screens, desperately trying to find a bike race to watch uh, that competitive outlet, how are how is normal Joes and Josephines like me going to be able to find out uh, when and if there's a go ahead? And then from there on out, how where what are going to be my opportunities to watch and follow along?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would point you towards our website. That we'll keep that updated and our social channels. We're active on, um, well, the on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Twitter. Uh, but that's where we'll push out all the information. You can also sign up for our e-newsletter, which uh, you can do that via the website. So ColoradoClassic.com. Um, that will be once we are. Uh, we're a go, and we're moving forward. That will list all of the uh, areas in which you can, or all the sites that you could watch the race. We'll be streaming it off of our platform as well. Um, but yeah, the website—that's the—that's really the the Bible um, to be able to, or the the portal. I've said yeah. Bible way too many times in this. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the portal to be able to um, access all the latest information.
0: Okay. Okay. Oh, you know what? Um, my, my last, my last kind of conclusion of all this is I know that there are race directors out there who have just buried their head in the sand and maybe you know, cried themselves to sleep and just turned out the lights and called it a career. Um, what kind of advice do you have for people who are trying to get events going and maybe even keep events alive or try to keep uh, marketing and sponsors encouraged for even, even events that might happen a year from now?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the, a couple things there is first define your why, why are you doing this and who are you doing it for? Um, And that's, you know, for the kind of mom and pop and I've worked at all different levels of, of event production from, you know, mom and pop. to working for a big, uh, you know, competitor group with rock and roll marathon and Ironman, you know, so really have had the spectrum of, of being on event teams that are doing it for different reasons. And so really understanding and reflecting on, you know, why is it that, that you're out here working so hard for this event? And then from there is, you know, with partners and sponsors and stakeholders, it's have them be part of the solution and bring them into the fold. And you don't know anything, we are, or you don't know everything. We all don't know everything, especially now more than ever. Um, so ha, you know what is successful to you partner of this event what if we were to change this and it has to change it's not going to look like it used to um you know and coming from the i, I spent 15 years of my career in running and putting a thousand people in a corral at the start of a running race it's not going to happen anytime soon at least if um, ever. so races will look differently and road closures will have to be longer and field sides will have to be smaller and Aid stations are different. You know, the list goes on and on and on, particularly for participatory events at, at scale. Um, so just being okay with change is okay. And change has to happen or you unfortunately will not be able to maintain. So that's, you know, communication, being solution-oriented, solution um, being comfortable with change, but ultimately understanding why you're doing this and who you're doing it for. And if it's to make money, which I always tell people, don't put on a, a 5K and expect to make a lot of money um, on that. But you know, if that's if that's ultimately your goal, maybe reconsider. You know, the reasons behind uh, why you're putting the event on, especially during these times.
0: Well, hopefully, uh, we're going to come out of all this not only August 27th through the 30th with with an event, a successful event, is as as successful, if not more successful, than last year. But um, hopefully when this all passes by, we're going to have a better and more innovative method to uh, create events and to follow the sport and to participate in the sport. And, and, and you guys have seemed to have really been on the, on the forefront of that. And I first of all, I, I, hope, I hope you guys know how, how really, really exciting that, that has been and seeing some of these new methods that you guys are incorporating in. Thank you yeah. Thank you. Uh, my God, uh, good luck. <laughs> 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 greatest thoughts and prayers Thank with you. you guys man. I really you know to tie in the whole Bible thing, I thought I'd throw out a prayer yeah. you know um, and just <laughs> make yeah um, so uh, August 27th through the 30th the website is Coloradoclassic.com correct? That is correct That is correct. Well uh, Lucy, once again, thanks for coming back on the show. I can't wait to see how things turn out and uh, I mean that in a very positive thanks manner. For so there you have it. The plan is full speed ahead, August 27th through the 30th. 30th I'm going to say that again. So there you have it. The event is full speed ahead as of now, August 27th through the 30th. ColoradoClassic.com is where you can find out information. There are going to be multiple opportunities in which to follow along with the event itself. Don't go watch the races. They don't want you there. But you can watch. You can get involved. There are discussions of Zoom meetings, of interactive uh, podcasts, and things like that that they're, that people will be incorporating into the race coverage. So talk about basically taking the entire sport and method in which it is delivered to us, the fans, and completely flipping that over onto its ear. What a great way to do it! I, I am, I'm praying. I'm praying for the Colorado Classic to make it through. Um, this, these guys are doing some really cool things. And I think this method and this, this model is going to be something that we could all really get behind, especially in the future. So there we go. Big thanks to Lucy and, um, her time and boy, good luck. Let's, let's see that thing happen. You guys, um, again, chime in, let me know how you, how you're getting through. Let me know your ideas to stay motivated, to stay competitive and to uh, keep achieving what you're trying to achieve, I know there's some really cool stuff out there. You know, I talked to about uh, Ted King's DIY gravel uh, a little while back, and I think that's an, a great method in which to get people out there and riding. And I think there are other ways in which that model can be really, really, really creative. Wink, wink. I, I, I got an idea bounce around in the back of my head. I got to bounce it off the other guys in the pack filler and see what they think. I always bounce it off them first. And if they look at me and just kind of go, dude, that's really stupid, I probably won't go with it. But some of them might go, oh, yeah, yeah. They might be just being nice to me. And then I'll bounce the idea out to you guys. So we'll see what we do from there. Right. In other words, um, cross your fingers for a season. Subscribe to the PackFiller podcast. You know where to find us, packfiller.com or on any, any, any platform that provides you your podcast enjoyment. Um, Stay safe, stay healthy.